Welcome to the Run for PRs podcast. This is your host, Victoria Phillippe. The Run for PRs podcast was created to give away the secrets to transform your training to reach your goals. We ask all the expert run coaches and athletes the questions that you've been dying to know the answers to. We will get the inside scoop on what really makes you the best athlete that you can be. Have you ever seen a fast runner and wonder, wow, how did they get so fast? Well, then this podcast is for you. We are going to do a deep dive to reveal the secrets to reaching your potential as a runner. What to do instead of your fall race. How to stay motivated with a lot of races being canceled this fall. Many athletes have had their spring and fall marathons or goal races canceled on them. It can be a really hard year with 2020 and all of the changes that are happening. Um, A lot of endurance athletes have had to shift their motivation from events to doing more of a virtual race. Running 26.2 miles outside of your house by yourself just isn't the same thing as running the Boston Marathon in person. We have seen a lot of athletes decide to take this year off from running or just give up on training altogether because of all of these race cancellations. We know it can be a hard time when there's so many things up in the air, but we are chatting with ways that you can actually make this year fun and make next year your fastest year yet. You can still reach your highest potential without racing and having these in-person events. And we wanted to chat a little bit about how you can approach this and our tips for getting the most out of yourself during this year, even though things have been canceled as far as races are going. So I have with me today, Jason Phillippe, who is a coach here at Run for PRs. He's been coaching for about a decade. Um, He's done several marathons and Boston a couple times. Um, he also has, you know, a decade of experience working with a lot of adult athletes in the marathon and half marathon, but also at the high school and college level, um, helping athletes achieve their goals in the shorter distance races as well. So for anyone listening, uh, I think this can be a good podcast for anyone who's had like their 5Ks or one mile races canceled, as well as, you know, half marathons and marathons that were canceled. Um, I was registered for Boston this year and that was postponed and then um, canceled. I mean, it's a virtual race now in September, but you know, a lot of people listening, maybe you've had your race canceled. Maybe you haven't had your race canceled yet, but you're assuming that, you know, the call is going to be made soon. Um, There's just a lot of kind of ambiguity in the air and no one really knows what it's going to look like in a couple of months from now. But we just wanted to kind of talk about different options and how to stay motivated during this time um, to train when potentially your event could be canceled. So, Jason, I guess we'll start off with you. Did you have any events that you were training for canceled? And how did you foresee this year going in terms of your own personal racing? Um, and how has it changed since, you know, March? Yeah, thinking back to March, um, it's kind of a unique time for me because I was I was getting to be in probably the best shape I'd been in in the last two or three years. And training was going really well. And then all of a sudden COVID happened and um, I got injured about a week later, it seemed like. So it was kind of ironic how it happened around the same time. And, um, I think because of, you know, the, the reality of all the races getting canceled, my progression back to running, um, was a little bit slower. I, I just didn't feel the, the need to try to rush back as quickly, um, and get healthy. I did have some races on the calendar in May and in June, you know, I was going to do a couple local 
races like the 5k and one mile and then a half marathon in june up at grandma's um but yeah since i i realized that those races were slowly getting canceled i just i uh I kind of spaced out my return to running plan. You know, instead of trying to be aggressive in terms of returning, I uh, was sort of just a little bit slower. I wanted to make sure I was getting, you know, getting my calf stronger and I incorporated a lot more biking um, just to make sure I was still spending time um, kind of getting my aerobic base and my fitness in that way. Um, but yeah, I was kind of looking ahead to having a pretty good spring and into the summer, maybe taking a little bit of a downtime in the summer and then maybe gearing up for like one major race in the fall. I wasn't sure on the distance, but I definitely wanted to go after maybe a potential PR. But, you know, life kind of threw us, obviously threw everybody the same curveball this year. Um, And then also when you're dealing with injury, I think it was a unique time to make a decision about like, you know, what, how are you going to handle that injury? And I know so many of you out there had, you know, other situations arise along with, you know, races getting canceled. So, you know, those may have, impacted your desire to train and your you know the number of times per week that you elected to get out and run so um you know now that we're getting to be you know we're starting to see some races happen again uh my goal was just to start running about four to five days a week and still incorporate some biking and just kind of starting a longer foundation um, putting my short-term goals on hold and just looking long-term at what I want to accomplish maybe into next year and years down the road. And so that's sort of been is sort of been what has kept me motivated right now getting out the door, trying to get my long run at least above double digits now. So, um, you know, that way, if I do decide to do a race, I can go out and run a half or a full in the future and it won't be such a stretch. Yeah, I know a lot of people are either falling into one of two camps, you know, it's like people either took time off in the spring with the race cancels and all that stuff, you know, when COVID hit, I think a lot of people had to work from home and that brought its own like new struggles, you know, if you have kids at home, it it maybe um, created a challenging environment for you to be able to get your runs in and get all the things done that you needed to get done. So, you know, some people, they kind of took some time off in the spring or maybe they're still on some time off uh, versus, you know, other people, they just kind of stuck with the training or they did virtual races um, to kind of make up for it. So there's like two camps. Some people have just been not really that affected in terms of training. um, And then other people, it's like kind of derailed them a little bit. Um, You know, I'm, in a little bit of a different situation given that I'm pregnant this year, but I, I'm usually the person that like doesn't veer from the plan and will just like keep training no matter what, even if I don't have races that I'm training for. Um, I just like the consistency of getting out there. Um, whereas I know you're more of like an event type of person in terms of staying motivated. Um, so how do you think that that like impacts your motivation? Cause I know you said this spring, you know, you were training for grandma's you were going to do a bunch of shorter distance races leading up to that. You were in really good shape. And then all of a sudden it was just like, you completely got derailed. You just didn't, didn't train as hard. You took some time off. Um, but now it's like this fall, there's not really a ton of races going on. We're not exactly sure what races are going to be. Um, and honestly, some people, they think it's not worth it to go or whatever. Um, I know a lot of people don't want to travel during this time. Um, I definitely, you know, like I said, we're in a different situation just because I'm pregnant this year. But um, I, you know, I think those are tough conversations to kind of think about and have, you know, you got to do what's best for you. Um, So some people just are electing to not do races, even if, you know, there might be one going on in in your hometown. 
So I guess the biggest thing um, for someone who's like event motivated, kind of like you, um, how are you staying motivated now during the summer, knowing that you literally have nothing to train for in the fall? Um, are you just kind of looking ahead to next year and thinking, okay, well, I know next fall there's going to be races, or I know um, I have the, these random goals in my head. How do you stay motivated? Yeah, it's a good question. I think I'm, I'm always thinking about long-term goals in the back of my head. So for me, that's always kind of been there and it's, it's easy enough to just reference that and, you know, find the motivation that I need to at least run, you know, semi-consistently. Um, and so I think, yeah, just thinking about that. And then also, you know, I would look at doing some other virtual type races or time trials just to kind of, you know, check in on where my fitness is progressing. Um, so I still want to do a few, few of those here before the year's over. Um, you know, the, the interesting thing about this, this year of having it be COVID and, you know, I mentioned having more time to kind of progress back to running. I, I would typically try to get back within, I don't know, two to four weeks, I would say from that injury, cause I've had it before. It's basically a calf strain. And, um, I would try to get back as quickly as possible where this time I took a lot longer. I took about eight weeks just to progress back. You know, I was still running after a few weeks, but as far as like doing workouts or runs over five miles, it took me a bit longer. And so, um, this, this time really allowed me a chance to, you know, not only progress back slowly, but reflect on, you know, why did I get injured in the first place? What are some things I can do to help prevent this again? Because it's, it's frustrating when this happens and your training is going so well. And then something like this happens to you, you know, and I was a runner all throughout college and never really got injured first year or two out, um, never was injured, was doing a lot of road races. And I think, um, you know, somewhere along the line, my, something with my gait or my calf has just gotten a little bit, it's a little bit easier to have this injury occur now that I'm a little bit older. And so what are the things I can do to prevent it? And, and I, you know, I really kind of refound my appreciation for the preventative exercises and doing the things like before and after runs, like heel drop exercises, calf strengthening and stretching. Um, I even invested in a calf uh, machine for our basement this went this last winter so I think since then I've noticed my, my calf strength's gone up a lot and um, it's just something that you know it really allowed me a chance to think about like what what do I want to do now that I can um, put put into my like daily or at least weekly routine that's going to really help impact my running in the future and make me stronger and prevent this from happening and so you know, whether you're someone that's struggled with some, you know, I have other athletes right now too, who are going to PT and they're really working on like imbalances that, that have happened to them. And so I, I think it's a great opportunity to do that during times when races are canceled. Um, and maybe you're someone who's, you know, always got tight IT bands or something like that. You could be, you know, using that time to really focus on what are some exercises you can do to correct that issue and, and get stronger in the future. Yeah, that brings up a really good point. You know, a lot of people, they, they get really wrapped up in the mileage and training for certain events. And I know, like, I definitely fell into that category um, after my first couple of years running. And it's like you fallen down that rabbit hole of racing. And it was, I always just was always on race websites trying to figure out what my next race is going to be. Where am I going to go? Like, where am I going to travel? Um, and I think, you know, in that process, looking back in retrospect, and I was really into doing these races um, six, seven, eight years ago. 
I do think that it did stall my progress because it was like back to back to back and it wasn't always necessarily the most logical um, string of races that I would put together. It would just be, oh, like I, I need motivation this weekend or I have a long run anyways or, you know, you just, you have a lot of reasons why you could do these races and, you know, they have the water stops and you get medals and there's spectators and races are just fun to do. And I think a lot of runners kind of fall into that category of like racing, not every weekend, but maybe more often than is optimal for performances. And what can end up happening is you get some, you get some burnout, you get some performances that are less than ideal. Um, and it can lead to frustration and burnout. And I think when you start going down that path, it can go, you know, like you were saying, you have this reoccurring injury kind of kept coming up. Do you think that some of that was with the pressure of, you know, being in the running community as, you know, the name that you are, like you felt like you had to do all the same races as all of your friends. And you felt like a little bit of like fear of missing out of these races. And you wanted to stay in your game and prove like you could hit certain times and just being a part of that community aspect. Whereas now that isn't really a factor. Um, I mean, there can be benefits of course to racing, but do you ever think like people get too caught up in it and that this provides an opportunity for people to maybe take more of an off season than they would have to improve. Yeah, definitely. It really makes me think about like the training going into these races and outside, you know, in between them and all that, like, is it smart training for you? And a lot of times when you're doing so many races, you're not able to really train smart. Um, you might be doing, uh, you know, too many workouts like that are putting too much stress on your body on top of like the races. And so it could really be hard to really recover and to, um, allow your body a chance to like adapt and then get, you know, improve. Um, for me, I think it was almost the opposite. It was like, I wasn't training hard enough. Like I wasn't doing much, um, you know, what I would call like zone four work or zone five, where I'm going out and I'm really taxing my system, getting my legs used to like running fast, like 800 meter repeats. Um, and then I, you know, so I was only doing like some longer tempo runs. I'd throw in some strides every now and then, but I'd go to these races and I'd really like go to the bottom of the well and go dig deep. And, you know, after running three miles at, at, or whatever, running a 5k at, you know, whatever pace I did, I think it was 520 this, this March when that happened, I, I really didn't do anything in training that was, um, similar to that. And I think that that really just put the, the extra strain on my muscle. And so, you know, injuries obviously occur for a variety of reasons, but Smart training definitely is going to be the, the best way to identify, you know, the root cause is you're training smart, but also to prevent it in the future. Like, what can I do to make sure I'm setting myself up to be able to handle, um, you know, racing and not having setbacks after the races? Because sometimes the setbacks don't occur, at, like, during the race or anything. It could be, could be a week or two later, um, you know, especially if you're adding other stressors, like long runs on top of, like, races. And, um eventually your body can just sort of break down. So I think that this has really been a unique year. I hope that for most most of us, we've been able to kind of just reflect on what makes us the best runner we can be and making sure we're training smart. Yeah, I love how you said that it might not be right away after the race. Um, so for like your last injury that flared up, you kind of knew right away after. Um, and a lot of people think that that's how injuries happen, that you know, you go out, you do a race, and then it's like you can't walk after. Um, typically, that's not how it happens. Um, I've had injuries in the past uh, several years ago. You know, I, Getting into running, I think, is 
when a lot of people really will get them. Once you start, you know, racking up the miles and, and you get into racing several times a year and you're just really into the sport, um, I think most runners will go, will go through a patch where it's like, you're pushing the limits of your body and your body is pushing back at you and um, injuries will happen if you don't train smart. And so learning from my mistakes that I did, you know, eight, seven years ago, uh, I think a lot of my injuries, they happened as a result, not like I didn't go out and do a race and then I was hurt. It was doing too much. And then, you know, several months later, slowly like this nagging, like twinge, turned into a little bit of pain after a run, turned into a little bit of pain during a run, turned into I can't walk after my run, turned into, okay, I can't run anymore. Um, And that's usually how injuries end up happening. There's like these little micro tears that happen every time you run um, or when you race. And then it's like, you're just not able to recover from it. And your body just keeps getting overloaded and overloaded. So you're like digging yourself deeper into a hole. And then eventually, like when you, your body is sending out the red alarms, like, oh my gosh, you're super injured. Um, by that point, it's, it's like too late. So it's really important to be listening to your body. And that's why we say that as coaches, we're always like, listen to your body. And, you know, if you need a rest day, take it. That basically means, you know, if something is not feeling right or if you're feeling a little off, like it's okay to say, I think I need to back off. I think I need to take a little extra time here because. I don't want to end up two, three months from now not able to run because I kept pushing through this teeny minor thing that ended up into being something really big. So that's the biggest, um, the thing that I think a lot of runners are actually going to benefit from this season. Uh, they're not going to have the pressure of constantly having to race, constantly having to recover. Um, and so that's like a secret benefit that I think a lot of people are getting. But at the same time, um, there's a negative impact of that, right? So there's people who have completely stopped training altogether because there are not races. I know for a lot of people, racing is a huge motivation. Um, I've worked with several clients who just kind of haven't had that same pep in their step or mojo going on where they, they just don't see the point of running if there aren't races. And that's totally okay. And I think it's, it's okay to like validate that and understand that like everyone has different motivations. Um, even with being pregnant and like watching my pace slow down, like that in and of itself kills my motivation. Like to see, Oh, like I'm, I'm not as fast as I used to be or Like I can't hit these paces. I think everyone has things that trigger, um, a motivation to drop and this could be the thing for a lot of people is like the events are canceled. Well, now my motivation is down to zero. Um, whereas you might be looking at someone next to you who they're training like nothing happened and you can't figure out why, why does this person not get affected by what's going on? But you're so affected. It's because you have a different motivational force. Maybe they don't even care about races at all. Right? So it's just really important to remember everyone's different. Um, but what is one way, cause I know events are a big motivational force for you. Like you ran in college, you were very competitive. You always wanted to like win races and stuff like that. Um, I never, you know, I like races, but I never got into it the way I think you'd, you have it. Like I'm more of a, Oh, I want to PR, but like if I PR in a virtual race or if I like PR in a workout or like have a really good workout, I get the same high as like, if I were to like PR in a half marathon, which it's great for me motivationally because it's like I could go out and crush a workout and be like a 10 mile workout and it'd be just as exciting as a race. But for people like you, I think you struggle with that, like struggle seeing the point, struggle with the motivation behind it. Um, how do you drive yourself up to like do workouts and like care and do your training when there are no events? 
Yeah, it's a good question. I, I've, uh, you know, I'm fortunate to obviously live with you where I, I have a spouse who, you know, goes out and runs. And so that motivates me when I see somebody in my household who does it, I feel like, oh, I should do this too. You know, I'm going to feel good about it. So that definitely helps. Um, but I think that, you know, I think about like the long-term goals. It goes back to that. And I, I, I always just reflect on, well, what's something I could do like today or this week or this month that's going to really kind of put me on that track. Um, and it's, it, it could be as something as just get out and run your five miles, or it could be, um, you know, this week I want to try to run five or six days, um, or I want to try to hit 35 miles, whatever it is. So setting those little mini goals, um, I think has been huge for me, you know, following plan. I think following a training plan is probably the best thing you can do just so that, you know, you, you see it from day to day, week to week, like the, the consistency, you know, am I staying accountable? I think that that really is the key. And, um, you know, I've, I've done that and that's one way I've come back successfully from this injury. So many times I, I try to write a, uh, return to running program, make sure that it is, um, you know, uh, progressively overloading instead of just like, you know, sudden jumping up from, you know, running for uh, run walks up until like going up for four mile runs. Like it doesn't go like that. You have to just slowly progress over time. And I think it's kind of the same thing with training. Like, um, you know, our training should look somewhat like we're even if we're not racing it should still look like we're progressively adding some some form of stressors to our our training some differentiating um stress so whether that's an increase in mileage or an increase in volume of of um workouts or just the intensity of those workouts i think that's that's really what i do and you know i i think back to like when i do have good workouts and how how great that makes us feel like after you hit a solid workout and so you know, I, I, I look for the days of the week that are going to be great. And I don't do many workouts anymore. It might be one every couple of weeks. So I'll purposely do it on a day where I just, I know that my energy is high or, um, weather's looking really good that day. So, you know, it's not going to be like too hot or too windy or whatever. And so I'll, um, I'll find something that gets me excited to get me out the door. Maybe it's planning a route that I haven't done in a while or exploring a new route. Usually that helps getting me motivated too, especially with biking lately, wanting to just go out and explore. I think that that's been huge. Yeah, that that brings up a really good point. I thought it was interesting how you said like living with someone and seeing them go out on their run like motivates you. And I think that just speaks to how different some people's motivations are because I, I honestly, like if I were to open up Instagram and see people like in posting their runs, um, that does not motivate me personally, like at all. Like it's just, or Strava, when I open that up and I see everyone's runs, I don't feel motivation. I feel like overwhelmed or almost like a guilt sort of thing. Um, and it doesn't make me want to run, but I, I know when people sometimes are like, Oh, like the, your senior runs every morning, like inspires me. So I know some people see other people's runs or they see other people running and they're like, oh, I need to do that. Or like it motivates them for some reason. And so I think it's important to kind of know what gets you going and what motivates you. Because if that's something that motivates you, like maybe, you know, looking at Strava for 10 minutes before you put on your running shoes or whatever, that could help you. That could be part of like your pre-race routine. Or, you know, for me, I like to look at like, back at old training logs sometimes before my run just because I, I don't know I want to know like what I was doing a year ago and like what were my runs like because I want to like relive kind of like how did that feel in that moment of that run and how good did I feel during that workout 
And when I look at the workouts that I hit, I'm like, oh, like it just gets me really excited to go out and do it again. Where at, and especially like competing like one year ago or two years ago, like seeing kind of where I was at, how I was feeling. And then it gets me excited. Whereas like you, um, someone who might be driven by an event, you might be very, very competitive by nature. And I think that's totally okay to admit. Um, you know, some people maybe listen to this podcast, they don't want to admit they're super competitive, but if you are, and that's something that like gets you going, like maybe you have a rival that you want to like look at their log before you go out and do your run. Like that's totally fine. I mean, maybe you don't have to share that with them because I don't like it when people tell me that they're like being competitive with me. I'm like super not competitive against other people at all. So it's, it's really weird to even say this, but I know that that motivates some people. Cause I know you look at a lot of your friends training logs and um, people you went to college with. And I think it like helps motivate you, which is which is different than what motivates me, but I think it's okay to use those things as motivational tools to, you know, get better. And I know you like talk to those people or you you say like, oh, awesome run. And it's just like a community thing. And I think if we go back and we think about what our running events, what are we missing from them that we can't incorporate into our lives right now, right? It's the community, it's the competition, it's the spectators. And so you gotta think, what is the thing that you're really missing? And then just go for that. So if you're really missing your competitors, you know, the technology we have nowadays, you can see what your competitors are doing. Um, Maybe not all of them, but some of them, you know, follow them. So go check out what they're doing. Give them some like encouragement. Some like, oh, great run. Um, Check what they're doing. If that really inspires you to get your training done, like there's no shame in saying, you know, every day before I run, I like check so-and-so's or like I check my my Strava feed that's full of, you know, some of my competitors or whatever. Um, Another thing you could do, like, you know, if you if you like the support of spectators, there's virtual spectators, right? So like some people really like to hear like, oh, good job or whatever. Um, I'm probably one of those people that falls in the category of liking spectators or, or liking the congratulations or whatever, um, that affirmation, like, good job. Um, and so I'm someone that would post my runs to get that um, sort of affirmation or have a Strava account where people can like your run. Um, so if that's something that you feel like you're missing, you know, maybe that's, you can share it with your spouse. You can celebrate, hey, I did this virtual race. Like, let's let's celebrate. Like, let's throw a party. I know someone on social media, she, like, bakes the cake every time she runs a PR, runs a race, and they make, like, she puts the time on the cake, and they, like, celebrate it, and so just figuring out kind of what motivates you, what makes you happy, and then doing those things, Um, because life kind of has changed this year, you know, like, we can't do the events in person, and, you know, sometimes things like this happen, and we have to figure out ways to adapt, and what was missing, and figuring out what that is for you, and just pivoting, and, and finding ways to stay motivated, definitely, can help. So are you someone who's like motivated by spectators? Cause I thought that was really interesting when I brought that up. Cause you're someone who never will post runs on social media. You're like, you're not about that. I think you're strictly like, are you just more competition driven than you are like wanting people to see that you like won a race or what do you think? Yeah. I mean, there's kind of two things. It's, number one, I just don't want to take the five minutes or whatever to go on into. Well, first of all, I don't want to find the photo. And then post it and type up a little caption, all that. I'll, I'll, I like it on Strava though. Like whatever. I, I don't mind if my friends can see my route and like my pace and all that. Like that's cool. And I guess that's a little bit motivating at times. Um, but I, I would say I'm a little bit more competition 
driven in terms of, yeah, where my motivation comes from. I think I've just always been competitive. Like thinking back to how I got started in, in running was in middle school, like running the presidential fitness, the one mile, um, you know, and so I think it's just, it's always been there for me. And then being, you know, being on the track team and cross country teams in high school and college, and then running road races and, and racing people that I used to run against in college all the time. And like seeing everyone just be on such different paths, like after college and some people who weren't that good in college are now crushing it and vice versa. And people like who were really, um, you know, not that good at speed stuff in college are now amazing marathoners. And, and so it's just like so cool to see how everyone's story is like so unique to them. And so when I see, I, I use Strava to kind of like see what are those, those longtime acquaintances and some of my friends still doing. Um, I've seen people take a year or two off and come back to running. Um, and it's just really like interesting for me to, to kind of watch and just reflect on like, what are they doing? What are their training habits and patterns? And, and um, you know, that, that kind of reminds me like, okay, well, if this person can do this, and you want it to be a goal for yourself, you can do it too. You just really need to start committing to the, the time that it's going to take. And, um, you know, work-life balance, I know it's really huge for sticking to the motivation. And um, that's something I feel like I kind of lacked over the years, but lately it's been a lot better for me. And now it's just kind of figuring out how to stay healthy and piece together, you know, healthy strings of training blocks where I can kind of, um, you know, grow from each each uh, cycle to the next so I can get stronger and get faster. Um, so now it's thinking about my nutrition and strength training, like what can I do to stay healthy and, and so I can continue to, to get faster. But it's been, uh, it's definitely been interesting. And then as we get older too, you know, I'm not going to use age as an excuse because there's a lot of masters and beyond masters runners out there who are running PRs. But I find that inspiring too, like seeing people who are having such success now when they're in their forties and fifties. Like, I think that that's so cool. And like you said, we're missing out on that community. Like in Minnesota, we're just, I feel like it's fairly tight knit where, you know, like who are the top runners in each age group for men and women. Um, cause you're all showing up to do the same set of races in the summer. And so you're missing that. And you're, you know, during this time you wonder like, what, what is so-and-so doing? But, you know, just realizing that they will resume again. And, um, you know, just putting yourself on a, on some sort of plan or a pathway to get you, um, back to where you want to be, um, next year. And hopefully races are all resuming here soon so we can get back to normal. Yeah, that definitely made me kind of miss racing and miss the whole community aspect of it. But one thing that you said that really stuck out was thinking about people that you ran with in college, you know, cause you graduated college, what, like 10, 11, 12 years ago now. Uh, but you know, so it's been a while. And so you see people who have been running their whole life. I mean, you've been running for 20 years, so you, you have competitors that have been running for 20 years. I mean, that's a really long time to be running. Um, but like you were saying is people do take the time off. So there are people who will take years off of running. Um, what, maybe it's one year, maybe it's five years. Um, and then you see them come back and you're like, whoa, I haven't seen you in a race in a long time. Um, and I think that kind of brings up an important point because, you know, people have been running for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. They're kind of in a different um, boat, I think, than people who've been running for, you know, five years or less or 10 years or less. Because chances are, if you've been running for that long, you have gone through ups and you have gone through the downs and you have taken some serious time off. Um, Maybe it's not 
because you wanted to. Maybe it is because you wanted to. It could be for various reasons. Um, You had a friend that just took three years off because they had a kid. He was in grad school. He just didn't want to work. And this was like a very, very fast, um, very fast runner. I mean, sub 15 in the 5k. Um, he just one day in 2015, he DNF'd a race, never raced again until 2019. So, I mean, then the guy comes back and he's just as fast. He's actually faster after taking four years off of racing. Um, and he did not run for a series of several years within there. And I find that really interesting, and I think a lot of people maybe listening are like, yeah, but, you know, anyone who runs that fast is like, they almost like dehumanize people who have been running for 20 years, because it's like, you're almost like a freak, right? Like, I mean, you're so fast, or you have so much talent, but really, it boils down to like, no, like, your first couple runs back, they're, they're the same as everyone else's. Like, they're humbling, like, you probably can't run a full mile at a time, um, and you're a lot slower than you were, and you have to build back to that, and that's just the reality of what it is, um, and everyone goes through those phases, and it's really not as hard to build back into fitness as it is to you know build it the first time, and so I think what a lot of people who've been running for less than 10 years or less than seven years, they kind of get into this rut of fear of taking time off because the first time you take time off and come back, it's tough because it's your, you know, your first time out of it, you know, you you have to take time off and you're now you got to build back and no one ever wants to be in that situation again. No one wants to have to, you know, crawl back out of the hole. Uh, But, you know, that's part of a runner's life cycle. You know, we all have things that force us to take the time off or mentally we just need a break and I think it's it's totally normal and human, and I don't think people should feel bad or think that, you know, oh, it's over because I, I haven't raced in a while, um, or I took two months off, and I just don't see the point anymore. Um, it's okay to kind of have those feelings, but just knowing that running's always going to be there sort of thing, and it doesn't have to be this continuous hamster wheel of race after race training cycle after training cycle, like you can take a year off and you can come back and probably be in the same shape within six months. Um, I've seen people take over a year off for, you know, having kids, all that stuff. Um, and they come back, they're in the same shape within six to nine months. And, and I know that sounds like a really long time, but if you think about it, taking a full year off and doing absolutely nothing and then getting back into shape within six months is is pretty incredible I mean I don't know I would definitely take my chances on that and part of the thing is just knowing that running is going to be there lifelong and and just getting back onto the horse and yeah not letting things like this kind of slow you down because I think for a lot of people this was kind of one of those moments where oh like I, I'm taking some time off or, you know, maybe they were forced to take time off because they, they got COVID or they had to work from home and there's like no childcare and they had to like work during all of their, their times where they were usually running and all that sort of thing. So how does someone like shift from, okay, you know, maybe life settling down a little bit more. I am trying to get more miles in. Like I have these races that I could potentially do. Like, how do you come back after that first, like, time off and how do you motivate yourself to like keep going even though you know you've took some time off yeah I think the biggest thing is um, following some sort of plan because when you have something 
in place, it's not only hopefully designed to get you back safely and smartly, but it's going to keep you accountable. So it's nice to have a plan that will like slowly progress you and make sure you don't do too much too soon. Um, that will, you know, lead you to injury or just feeling like so overwhelmed. So I think that that's really huge and it should feel pretty easy, especially like that first week or two, just because, you know, you're not increasing by a whole lot yet. Like if you were still running, let's say you're running like two or three days a week. Well, we're not going to jump up to like five or six days, like that first week, probably. So we're, we might start you at four days for a couple of weeks and just see how that goes. And, and I think that that's really the key is just something that's attainable to get you, get you back on track. Um, and whatever, you know, we've talked a lot about things that motivate you. And so just figuring out what are you going to use as far as, um, you know, reminders for your motivation as to why you want to get out and do this. And, um, hopefully after a few weeks, you can get back on track. You know, I've had some athletes who, you know, they've really had some rough patches during these, these last few months, but they've also had some really good stretches. And especially as of late where they, they get back on track and they, they're really proud of like how green their training peaks is, which basically means they've completed all their runs. And so that's, those are the things that I'm talking about, like celebrate those like little victories when you are consistent, because I think that that is what's going to motivate you to keep things going. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, you know, one of the biggest takeaways that you just said was like progressive. So we don't want to just jump, dive back on in. The first week should feel pretty easy. And so what that's going to look like is you're going to be running slower than you normally do. I mean, if you took time off, you're going to come back at a slower pace than you were, you know, when you were in the peak training. So just kind of being humble about that and allowing yourself to go 30 to 60 seconds per mile slower than what you're anticipating. Um, easing back into workouts. So we're not going to like jump the gun on workouts. It's like a progressive approach. So it's, we're not diving in and then same with the long run. So if like you haven't ran longer than five miles, um, in the last like two, three months, like, but you're, you're training for, you know, New York city, Chicago, CIM, we're not just going to like jump into 10 mile long runs. It's probably just going to be a progressive build. Um, of course you'll get to 10 mile long runs, within the next month or two, but you got to just start with where you're at and then build from there. I think too often we see people fall into the trap of guilt because they took time off and then a force back into training, which leads to more burnout, more desire to take time off. So the easiest way when you're coming back is it should feel really easy. It should actually feel like you're not doing enough um, because you want to be hungry. Um, and I think a lot of times we forget that we want to feel hungry at the beginning of a training cycle when it comes to building mileage and getting back out there. You don't want to feel like you're being maxed out at week one of a training cycle. Um, so starting with where you're at, building slowly. And then I guess like the whole ambiguity, like let's say you're signed up for New York or CIM or something in the fall that hasn't yet been canceled and you're sitting there thinking, well, what's even the point? All of those things. I think using some of the motivational techniques that we had before, um, where we talked about, you know, looking at Strava, looking at your your old runs, all those sort of things can help you. But I know logically, of course, like if I was training for a marathon, um, I'm someone who I hate long runs. Like that's just that's who I am. Like I'm not gonna run, you know, 18 mile long runs if I'm not training for a marathon. I'm not gonna run more than probably 12 miles, 10 miles ever, if unless I'm training for a marathon or maybe half. But um, that's just, I won't do it. So I know a lot of people are falling in that camp where they're like, well, my marathon could get canceled. So what's the point sort of thing? Well, it's like, you still want to train. You still want to like be doing your running. You still want to do your workouts. You want to find the things that you like to do and you want to keep doing those things for sure. 
Um, but I, I totally understand like, yeah, you don't want to go out and run for three hours for your long run if you think your race is going to be canceled. Um, so personally, Jason, I would like to know what you would do in that situation if you were training for a fall marathon and it was going to get canceled. And then I can share kind of what I would do. Yeah. I mean, I would stop long runs altogether. And for me, I basically consider a long run at an hour or so. Some people might call 80 minutes, but I, yeah, I, I would say for me, if the race got canceled, I would definitely do, um, I would do, I would focus more on like speed endurance workouts or threshold. So I would just start shifting my training. I would probably take an extra rest day and then I would, um, you know, try to add something different to my workout regimen that could really help sort of maximize my fitness and then sort of, um, you know, try to relaunch into a new training block. Yeah. Well, I guess like the biggest thing is, let's say you're in the middle of training for a race right now. You're like three months out and it hasn't been canceled yet, but you think it potentially could get canceled. Like, what would you do in that situation? Mm -hmm. If you were training for, you know, like CIM or something and it's like September and it says do a 16 mile long run this weekend, like would, do you think that you would like shorten it? Would you do the 16? Would you like do every other week? How would you approach like the long runs if you were signed up for a marathon and you were like iffy about it? Yeah, I already sort of do long runs sparingly. So I'd probably continue doing it. Um, if I had an athlete, I'd probably recommend just maybe shortening it slightly or doing like every other week. That way they're allowing, you know, their body a chance to, um, you know, really recover. And in the event that the race would get canceled, then at least, you know, we're hopefully setting them up for, you know, they can just continue training and then we can just like cut long runs altogether. But if the race does happen, then we can just start to ramp up, you know, the last few weeks leading into it, we can start doing a few longer runs, but at least then they've had the, the building block to get there. Like they've done maybe a 13 and a 15 or something like that. So I think that, um, you know, hopefully by the time you're a month out, you're going to know for sure. So you'll know for sure if you need to get in your 18 or 20, but, um, I don't, I don't think that you need to do too many of those long runs. I think that you'd be just fine off getting a, a few quality, like 13 to 16 mile runs in. So I would definitely still incorporate them, but not as frequent. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think it's tough because it's like, you want to train for the race as if it is going to happen, you know, to give it your all and all that stuff. But at the same time, you don't want to like at least for me, I wouldn't want to put all my eggs in a basket. Um, it's hard for me to mentally do that. So I think I would approach it more as like, this isn't going to be like my end all be all a race. Like I'm not going to try to, you know, put all my eggs in a basket, go for it this one time. It would be more of like a marathon. Okay. I'm going to give it a good go, but it it's not going to be like, I'm going to be okay with the fact that it might not happen. Or that if it does happen, I'm not going to be in, like, the best shape ever. Uh, but, I mean, I could see myself going into it the same way, like, I would go into any marathon. Like, oh, like, I'm training 100%. And even if the race didn't go on, I could still see myself, like, going out there and trying to PR. It, it just depends on, like, where your mindset is um, in the training. So, you know, I had a lot of athletes that wanted to follow the training to a T even after the race got canceled. And so you, you want to, if that's your mindset and you're just like dead set on that, I would not adjust it at all. Um, if you, if you're a hundred percent motivated, 100% all in, and that's not a factor at all, why adjust anything, you know, just do the training as is, as you normally would. And if the race gets canceled, do it on your own, right? Like no problems there. But if you're someone whose motivation is kind of like, you know, swaying in the wind, like, 
oh, I don't know. Like it all kind of depends. Um, I would do more of a modified schedule and just know, okay, it's probably maybe not going to be like the best race of my life. Um, I'm not going to run 100% of my potential because I'm not going to train, you know, 100%. Like I'm not going to go all in on it. And that's totally fine to admit. <laughs> like you might not like give it everything. Um, you can still run a really fast time. I think this fall, I, I did a similar thing where I, I wasn't sure if I wanted to do a fall marathon or not, but I, I stayed in half marathon shape. And then I just did like two long runs, like five weeks out and three weeks out and then ran a marathon. My longest run was 17 miles. Um, I was still able to run like a 323, which is only like 10 minutes off a PR. So it was still like, you know, I felt, I felt pretty good about that, but you know, knowing that you don't need to do a long run every single weekend, if that's going to like burn you mentally or just like totally kill your motivation, especially if things are up in the air, um, just knowing yourself and maybe chatting with your coach and adjusting things as needed. Cause for me, um, not having to do the long runs every weekend, uh, it actually like really boosted my motivation to want to do the marathon. I was like, Hey, like I feel really good. I could just do this in the long run. Um, it's just kind of like the cherry on top of a whole summer's worth of training. Um, and I think, you know, that might be a fun way to approach these fall races is more of like a, you know, it's an added bonus if it happens. Um, but I'm not going to like expect that it's, it's going to be a regular season. Um, whereas if you're in the other camp where you put all your eggs in that basket and you train all out, um, I would still recommend, you know, if it does get canceled, do the race on your own and see kind of like what you can do because, you know, you train really hard for that. You want to get that time and kind of see where you're at and and it's really exciting to kind of complete that cycle um and don't let like the races being canceled like stop you from doing that if you're super motivated and driven um because some people just have like incredible um intrinsic motivation and you shouldn't let you know a race being canceled stop you from achieving what you wanted to in the 26.2 mile distance because you can just go outside of your house and and run that um anytime you know you don't need to have a race to prove that to yourself um it's all just within you so I guess with that, um, we'll kind of wrap things up here. So hopefully this was kind of, you know, helpful for people who are trying to navigate like what they should be doing this year, um, how to, you know, stay in shape or get back into running, um, figure out what to do this fall. You know, you know, if you have any questions or you want to try like working with a coach uh, for motivational reasons, I know working with a coach definitely helps me. You can visit our website, www.runforprs.co. You can fill out our form there and actually get a free seven-day trial if you want to check us out and see what it's all about. Thanks for tuning in.